and the whole works, you know, works is like a, a oh yeah, it's a it's a scary word, right? So I never really realized how much God's word has to say about our rewards. Yeah. And then yeah. just your statement that everything we do matters. Everything. This side is everything. And that has just really like kind of been the, I don't know, the filter, the glass that I've looked through this whole week. So. It does. It kind of makes everything have meaning and purpose and value. And whether it's cleaning a bathroom or preaching a message, I mean, there's, there's value in every one of those things. And somebody's watching and paying attention. Uh, so that also might scare the foo out of me, too. Sometimes, I mean, I don't do some things because I know he's watching. I mean, I, I mean, totally. <laughs> it's ca- I don't know. Mm-hmm. A little pinch or a kick in the butt. I mean, one of those other things. <coughs> Anybody else? Anybody else have any, want to share anything? I will, like, put you on the spot and call you on things like that. Okay, so this is, this is really Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And all these things will be added to you. And so what are all these things? Of course, Jesus was speaking this at the um, Sermon on the Mount. You know, and so I can just imagine him saying all these things. And he's up on that mount. And it's fields and it's, it's money and it's power. And it's everything you could possibly desire or think you might want. All these things will be added to you if first you seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And I often find in my own personal life, when things aren't going the way I want, when I'm not getting what I want, okay? I mean, just like, Lord, I'm, I usually have gotten off base here. Usually I've gotten off kilter. My priority is not his kingdom and his righteousness. And usually when I get that back in line, then all of a sudden, whatever it is, you know, mad in traffic or whatever, it's because I'm, I've gotten off kilter. It's not about my schedule and my agenda and what I want and where I want to go. This weekend, I've really struggled about not being married. Really struggled. I'm nobody's number one. Nobody's number one. And I could have gone someplace to watch the football game yesterday, but I had to, like, wash clothes and, you know, just be at the house. And I really didn't want to go anywhere and, you know, watch the game. I wanted to be at my house, but I didn't want to be at my house by myself. You know, but then I decided it's better to be at my house because the Lord says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I'm walking uprightly, so if I was married right now, it might not be a good thing. But I had to, like, talk, I had to talk myself through those things. I mean, I just have to. And, um, and so it's because I've gotten off base, and he must think that it's better for me right now to walk in singleness than, um, than it is for me to be married. And um, I don't understand that, but I have got to trust him in the midst of that because the scriptures tell me that. So I'm going to continue seeking your righteousness. I'm going to continue pressing forward in what I'm doing and continuing doing what I'm supposed to be doing, what I know to be the next right thing. So that's, it helps to have that filter. Because, and absolutely 100%. Why? Because I want all these things added to me. I want all these things added to me. I'm not doing it just, I mean, do I love Jesus? Yes. But I do it because he's going to reward me. So why not get both, right? I mean, would I probably do it out of pure love? Honestly, maybe not. If I want to be upfront with you guys, I love them. Hey, are there some things that you really wish you did for your family because you love them, but sometimes you just don't do it because you just don't want to? I mean, right? You don't doubt your love. I like having the motivation of that. This is a quote we used from last week <coughs> that I think encapsulates the whole thing. And um, Rebecca Lynn, who else might missed it from last? I will send you this information if you want. My email and stuff is on the bottom. This, is at the, this quote is at the bottom of the handout from last week. So just email me or whatever. Works cannot save us. That is number one above all else. My works do not save me. I am saved as a free gift from Jesus Christ. I mean, if we get nothing out of it, I want you guys to get that. You know that. So this has nothing to do with my salvation. But once assured of my own salvation. So now we're post-salvation. That was like step one. Our lives become eternally meaningful when expedited and expended expended in service to the great commission which is to go make disciples not just to evangelize go make disciples and our attention to that imperative will be commended well done my good and faithful servant and compensated here's your reward by the lord jesus christ upon his return to establish the kingdom that that 
will preach. That we could spend, we are going to spend the rest of our lives unpacking and working and living through those kind of things. God, and that, I, that is, I'm going to give you lots of biblical reasons for those things to make that happen. Here is one right here. Matthew 16, 27. These are, I, I meant to go back and double check. I am almost certain all of the scriptures that I'm going to quote today are spoken by Jesus that are from the Gospels. They're all Jesus. So this is Jesus saying, he's saying, what's the kingdom of God like is what he's really saying here in this one. Matthew 16, 27. Do I not have that one down for you guys? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angel in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. According to each what he has done. And what we talked about last week, about what, good job, Caroline, you're so well trained. And then he will reward. And we talked about reward. Is a reward a gift or is it something you earn? Is it a gift or is it something you earn? No, you earn it. You get a reward. You get, it's, it's actually the Greek is talking about paid back. It's a reward. Because I have done something, he is going to reward me. I found the bad guy. I took him to the prison and they said, here is your money. It's a reward. According to what we have done. Okay. This is great too. Revelation 22, 12. This is almost the last thing he says at the end of Revelation. Jesus says, look, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me. And we often think, well, his reward is all of his people, you know, his reward. No, his reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. I'm coming back. I'm bringing my reward with me. I don't know what it's going to be. We really don't know what it's going to be. We know that, like, gold is asphalt. So just can you imagine, you know, can you imagine what it's going to be, that reward that he's going to have? And I want a big reward. We talked about that. Big reward. Jesus is coming back with his reward. Okay, this is a good, I'm a visual, and this is why I like having PowerPoint. I, w I try to think of something like, you know, a mouse and an elephant. Uh to like compare the dot and eternity or like, you know, someone who is, you know, a little person versus like, you know, Dr. J or somebody, you know, Shaq, you know, to like compare the dot compared to eternity, but it, is, it pales. I mean, it doesn't even begin to express what eternity will be. I mean, we think, you know, we think 70 years is a long time. Sometimes we think a semester is a long time, right? I mean... It is, our time on earth is so little compared to all the time in eternity. But everything we do on our time on earth will impact what we do in eternity. I mean, right? He doesn't say, he's coming back. When he comes back, he's going to reward us. He's going to reward us for what I've done here, not what I do there. What I do here, everything here, I'm going to shine like the, I'm going to get brighter and brighter. We talked about that going from glory to glory to glory. I'm going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. I'm going to become more and more and more like Christ. When I die and go to heaven, I am not Christ. I'm, I am not, I don't become Christ. There's one Christ. When we get to heaven, it's going to be Becky. And guess what? Worship, front row, me, swinging, I don't care who's, I don't care if we're wearing a coat and tie in the choir or not. I'm raising my hands and I'm worshiping. I'm going, to be demo I'm going to be just as demonstrative glory. How crazy can it be? How much worse am I going to be, you know? When I get to glory, how much more demonstrative am I going to be in my worship? But I'm going to be all me, you know? And I, I don't think I said this last week. I used to would say, like, well, if people really love Jesus, they would raise their hands when they worshiped. And the Lord just, I mean, jerked a knot in me. He said, and I love baseball too. And he said, okay, so let's imagine you're at a baseball game. This is totally not in the notes. I'm not why I'm telling you this, but it might mean something. So you're in a baseball game, and you got this guy over here. I mean, he's yelling every pitch. He's, he's hollering at the ump. He's talking to everybody. And, you know, every, he knows the pitch count. He, I mean, he knows, you know, who's up to all the players, all that stuff. And he's all very vocal. And then there's this little guy over here. And he's got the book out, the book. Anybody's got baseball moms? Anybody did the book, right? You know, now they got an iPad. You just kind of push where they went. You got the book, and he's tracking every pitch. 
Was it inside? Was it outside? How many outs? How many? I mean, he knows all the stats. He knows even what war means. I don't even know what war means, but war wins above average or something. I don't know, but he knows it all and he can figure it in his head. Who loves baseball more? That's the example the Lord kicked me and said, and I'm like, well, I really like both. I know, but get the picture, Becky. You know, get the picture. Right? So, dot and line. Our time on earth will totally affect eternity. Everything we do in this little dot, this little time right here, it matters for eternity. You know, it's not like, well, I'm just going to take this one day off. I'm just going to be mean today. I'm just going to not be kind today. I mean, no, it matters for eternity. Every moment matters for eternity. And we've got to leverage that. Because we also know that it's going to be a greater return. We're going to, we can exponentially, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, does that make any... Y'all got that? Get, I mean... It matters. I just get, it matters. It matters. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're called to do, whatever direction you're going in today, it matters. It is important. It is important to the kingdom of God what you do today. And it doesn't matter if you are scrubbing a toilet at home or whether, you know, you're on a plane speaking somewhere. Because it's all about the intentions of our hearts, right? And I could be scrubbing the floor to the glory of God. And I could be preaching from a platform and have zero motivation and love for it. It's all about, look at me. Look at me. Look, nobody showed, look, nobody showed up. You know? Well, it shouldn't matter. I mean, if just Lynn, not just Lynn, but if just Lynn came, I should preach just as hard and teach just as hard and prepare just as hard for Lynn. Because it's my heart behind what we're doing and the value of that. So I just really, that's the rope. It doesn't really matter. And I'm telling you, girls... Lynn, Kay, you guys can tell me for sure. How fast does it go? How fast does that dot go? Whew! I mean, you're tw- I remember thinking 20, if I don't get it done by 40, it, it ain't happening, right? You know? And I'm like, I was just... I know, we're just, I'm just hitting my stride at 40. But I, this is honestly... So I'm 53. I've been a believer for 26 years. I figured I got a good 26 still in me, right? That's 79. And... And so I figured if, I mean, I want to do more in the next 26 years than I did the past 26 years. You know, so that's why it matters what I eat and whether I exercise and all that kind of stuff. Because if I can't get up and stand and walk around, then I'm not going to be able to do what the Lord's called me to do. Can't carry my luggage and put it up in the overhead, you know. So, absolutely. An example comes to mind. Most of y'all probably saw Amazing Grace about William Wilberforce and John Newton who was, you know, like his mentor. But I just can see John Newton blind from syphilis, but he's on the, his knees scrubbing the floor of the church. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and he's encouraging Wilberforce on, and we see the, um, you know, the impact on England because Wilberforce didn't really want to be used that way. No. He didn't want to. He didn't want to be the man. God, God, yep. And so I just, I'm just thinking if, it, just to be a doorkeeper. I mean, Tom Paris has a song where just just being a doorkeeper. And Amen. Keeping Amen. The old. And like, hey, Billy Graham had a mama, and so did Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. Girls, Osama bin Laden, he was a really bad guy. You know, like part of the towers going down. Okay, y'all are young. Just want to make sure my examples thing are. So tonight, we we want to talk about the six main events of your life. Some of this is a little bit of a repeat, but I. But I just felt like we kind of need to lay this down on the bottom, and we might, I think we're going to get to the backside too, but if not, we can cover that next week. So six main events of your life, and there's some things that are leaving out, but these are the ones that I just want to kind of keep you in front of your face. Number one, your life, okay? Event number one, life, okay? Keep me on track if I forget your blank. So I went ahead and just put all the verses up here to save time. And that's our life when we're born, and I talked about this last week, right? We're a third dead. Body, soul, spirit, that's what we're made up as. Our physical body, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's the essence of who we are. It's what Eve, that didn't die. The spirit is what died when she bit into the apple. Her spirit died, but her soul did not die. Her body eventually died, and her soul is in eternity right now. And then we have the Spirit. The Spirit comes alive. First Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's our life. That's how we start out. And that's the dot. 
That's the dot that we talked about before. And um, our whole post-salvation, our whole point is trying to get our soul listening to the spirit a whole lot more than it's listening to the flesh. Right? You know, anybody watch somebody die? You know? Isn't it amazing how strong the flesh is? It will fight for that last breath because it knows when it's gone, it's gone. And it will fight. The flesh is so strong. And listen, girls, the flesh never gets better. You know, the flesh never gets better. <laughs> Why still will he still have to beat it down? Now, I might listen to the spirit more, but it's because my soul is leaning more on the spirit than it is on the flesh. It's not because my flesh is better. My flesh is my flesh. It's fallen. Okay, number two, death. I thought it would make this black and white because it seems bad. But when we die, we die just physically, but we don't die spiritually. It really is like going from one place to another. That's all it is. And I always say, people, are you afraid of, are you afraid of dying? No, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of death. Are you afraid of dying? I'm like, yeah, I'm not looking forward to dying. I want to like, go to sleep and wake up in the presence of the Lord, right? You know, that's, I, don't, you know I don't want this long, drawn-out thing. I mean, if the Lord calls me to that, I'm sure I'll do what I'm supposed to do. But I am all about you know, a quick heart attack right in the middle of something. Just move on and move on to the thing. So we, we are going to die. So, and it, and yeah, that was an, I was going to tell an Iraq story, but I won't. So we're confident that it's satisfied to be out of the body and home with the Lord. So we're going to be out of this fleshly body and we're going to be at home with the Lord. Okay. Our soul and our spirit. That's going to go up there. The spirit, I think is the Holy Spirit. Obviously he's up there. Third thing is our destination is our destination heaven or hell we talked about this last week right we live for eternity we all live forever what we decide in the dot determines where we're going to live that's our destination and our, our decision for Christ does a lot of things but one of the main things it does is it determines where we're going to spend the rest of eternity in heaven or in hell this is the verses. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Thank you, Jesus, for going and preparing a way for us. And we will live forever. Our soul goes to heaven or to hell. Okay, number four. What's going to happen is we have a bodily resurrection. So this little image, I couldn't quite figure out, you know, was I going to put like a stud up here or like this like size two model? And I decided none of those would work, you know. So I decided I'm just going to put this little guy right here because we are going to get new bodies. We're not just going to be floating around in soil space. We're going to have new bodies. We're going to, because we're going to work when we're in heaven. We're going to work on the kingdom. And I don't understand, I don't understand how, I'm just telling you this is how it is. I don't understand it all, but I'm just telling you how it is. Right here, Jesus says, who are, um, yeah, Jesus will. Jesus will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So he's going to give us a glorious new body that we're going to be able to work in and serve in and do great and mighty things. So, and who knows what it's going to look like. Okay, let's spend a little time on this one. Number five, repayment. So we're going to live, we're going to die. After death, we're going to immediately know we're going to be in heaven or hell. Then at some point down the road, we're going to get a glorified body. After that, we're going to receive a repayment. And we're going to re receive a reward or, oh, I said repayment. It's a reward or... Um, Retribution is not, it's really punishment. We're going to be, we're going to receive a, we're in heaven, we're going to receive a reward, or if you're going to go to hell, you're going to receive, you're going to be judged for that, not a repayment. I forgot, what word did I need to really live? Receive reward or payment, a repayment based on what you did on it. So, Matthew, let's look at the verse and I'll talk about it some more. This is Jesus. Jesus says there's going to be a repayment. Woe to you, Corazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. So both those, again, he is a fair judge. This stuff makes sense to me. I don't know if it does. It, I hope it makes sense to you guys. He is going to judge us for what we do on this earth, for good or for bad, as believers or for non-believers. Okay, so the worse you are, and even if you don't become a believer, the worse you are here 
is going to make it worse in hell. I mean, it's going to be really bad anyways. It's going to be bad, but it's going to be even worse. Because he says it's going to be better on the day of judgment than for them. As good as we are, I mean, as, if we're believers, they're going to be judged what we do post-salvation, not for righteousness, but what we do in our motivations, our heart. So let's look at these verses. Believers, 1 Corinthians 5.20. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And we talked about this before. In that same spot, and in my Bible I have it, and I would encourage you to write it, you also need to write down 1 Corinthians 3. Because 1 Corinthians 3 really talks more about this judgment seat, the beam of seat. And it says, Now if anyone builds on a foundation, this is 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through, when I stop, maybe 17. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it. That's the day, this judgment day that he talks about, in the beam of seat of Christ. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So 15. Even though 16 and 17, do not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, dwells in you if anyone destroys God's temple, God will restore him. So, he, so this is, we're going to stand before Christ as believers. And all of that, all of our life that we've done post-salvation is going to pile up on this foundation. And fire is going to come from somewhere. And it's going to burn it up. And fire, when it hits wood, hay, straw, what happens? It's gone. When it hits gold, silver, precious stones, what happens? It refines it. It makes it even better. He's going to test us. And then, then we're going to receive a reward. And I like this. I mean, at the end, we know that there's going to be levels of those rewards. Verse 5, at the, I mean, at verse 15 at the end. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss. Loss of what? Reward. Not loss of salvation. Because it says, but he himself will be saved. But only as through the fire. I mean, he just comes sliding in at the last minute. And that, that, I don't know, does that help some of you guys? Because sometimes I need some motivation sometimes to why do I live right? I've got heaven, Right? I got heaven. Why does it make a difference what I do? Why should I grow in my faith? Why should I be nicer? Why should I be sanctified? Why should I not lie, cheat still, and sleep around with those who do? Right? Why? Because I don't... Lord, can you imagine? Can you imagine standing before him? And he's saying, I, I, I had all this reward for you. I, had all, I brought it with me. <laughs> I brought it with me. I have all this reward for you. And you chose that? Not being nice? How good, how'd that last? You chose sleeping around? You know? You chose gluttony? You chose wine bibber? You chose that over me? You know? The tears will be wiped away in heaven. That's post-salvation, post-him's coming back. I believe we'll grieve in heaven for this, for the loss of rewards. Loss of rewards. I, I want it to be a day of celebration. I know I got wood hay stubble. I know there's wood hay stubble because I'm, I've, I've known there's been times where I've just kind of slid by. I'm blessed to be able to open a scripture and preach it. And if I don't spend time teaching, it's wood hay stubble because I haven't done what I need to do, you know, in preparation. Wood hay stubble. Right here, non-believers. I'm gonna, actually, I want to read this because it's a little bit more. First, this is in Revelation. This is the great white throne judgment. It's not for us. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it's not for you. Uh, how about Bema? B-E-M-A. Bema is for the believers. Bema. B-E-M-A. Bema is Greek for a judgment seat. Jesus, the, when Pontius Pilate was, he was on the Bema seat. He sat, the judge sits. It's, I didn't pull it up, but there's another verse that says, Jesus, God, gives, God the Father gave the, Jesus the right to judge. So what's so wonderful about this, and why we know it's going to be wonderful if you're a believer, is Jesus himself is sitting on the beam of seat. And so he's not going to say, you loser, I can't believe you didn't do this. He's not going to, his gracious, loving, kind Jesus is sitting up there saying, I have so much for you. He's saying that to each one of us right now. I have so much for you. Follow, follow my instructions because it's the best. I don't get into, is it right or wrong? 
Is it right? I don't, I'm not going to get into whether it's right or wrong. You know? I say that if you follow the scriptures, it's the best. It's best for me to be nice. It's best for me to be kind. It's best for me to not to lie, cheat, and steal. It's best for me to not and be in a sexual relationship outside of marriage. It's best. Can I do it? Yeah. Will I lose my salvation? No. Will I lose my reward? Yes. I don't want to lose my reward. It's, it's the best. It's the best. Hey, I don't like most of the stuff in here. I mean, <laughs> love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Give to anyone who asks. Be holy as I'm holy. Fiery trials are going to come your way. Don't be surprised. You know, all this tragedy is coming. The world's fall, the world's falling apart, but be at peace. I've overcome the world. I'm like, I, can I just have some prosperity preaching just for a little bit? <laughs> can I just get a little, everything's going to be okay. I'm good. You're good. All's going to be good. I mean, you know, you read this. I mean, it start kicking you in the teeth. Becky, I got a question. We're, we're studying in Genesis, birthright. Uh huh. It, and that's a huge and part it, of it. it. I mean, it's the birthright, isn't it? Th- these rewards. Well, and I mean, I mean, can you sort of compare it to that? Because I mean, Jacob saw it was so worth having. Right. Esau saw, you know, he saw it was worth selling to that dollar too. Right. We're we're heirs, mm-hmm. so we're sonships and adopted. But just like all the heirs of Abraham did not receive the same inheritance. Mm-hmm. That was the same thing as Joseph. But I mean, I think it, I would go one more level down and I would go to the sons, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And they all got, and I, you know, they, and actually some of the grandsons has got just as much as some of the sons. Yeah, Ephraim and Manasseh, you know. And then you had the guys, okay, and this is what I, I mean, this, get me up. This is, then you have the guys who got to the promised land who, what was the tribe that said the two, this two tribes and half of a tribe I got to the promised land and they said we don't want to go fight we'll help you fight but we just want to stay on this side of the promised land and, yeah. yeah there was two guys I mean there was two tribes I'm like why do you go I mean anyway yeah. yeah anyways so yes it is but there's there's levels that's the biggest thing we're all going to get there we're all heirs of the sun but it's all levels hey this goes into this is I mean if you, everything matters and God is constantly testing us to see if we're going to be faithful to the things that he's given us those of us those that have been given great wealth those that's a test that's not so that we can live to be funner and have a better life and go on great vacations even though all that's good we can do all those kind of things nothing wrong with that but I have friends who are uber wealthy and they have kids, they have a son walking in righteousness and a daughter who has totally turned their back to the church. And the world would say you give half to both. But they're sitting up here saying, this is a gift from the Lord that he's given to me. And if I give it to her, I know that it's not going to be used for the kingdom. Do I give to her? I mean, right? Because I'm a steward. I'm a steward of everything I've been given. I'm a steward. I mean, that's a good problem to have. I understand. You kind of worked it, but that is, a, it's a, what do I do? Because I want to be, I mean, and there's not, a right, there's not a right answer on that. There's not a right one on that. You're talking about dying a while ago, too, just, you know, we want to go to sleep. And I think about, I often think about the thief on the cross who, who had faith. He, he went from, with the other mm-hmm. thief, to then believing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to, I want to think that, he he died real quick. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't suffer like the other one because he had no time left. There was nothing he could do. That's what I use with my mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. He had no time to do any works. Yeah, he didn't have any time to do any works. Just faith. Yeah, and yeah. I want to believe it. It went fast. Jesus took him too with him, sort of. Yep, for sure. All right, back to this Revelation twenty eleven. This is what happens to those that aren't believers. Then I saw a great white throne. This is John talking in the Revelation. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, this is Jesus, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. Meaning those, the, the, um, the non-believers, are, there was no place they could run and hide. Is that still up there? No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. These are the dead. Dead in Christ. 
And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. They will be judged. Even the dead will be judged. And they'll be. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire so there is a special place in hell for hitler there is a special place in hell for those that are child molesters and perverts there is a special place if they don't come to jesus christ you know and that good old well you know they're just so good i hate that they're going to hell well you don't go to hell because you're good or bad you go to hell because you don't believe in jesus christ you know, but God is a fair judge. You know, it's going to be bad, and you're going to be eternally separated from God. Okay? So great white throw judgment, that's for non-believers. But we will both be judged, and I think that's what's so important. That is so important that we'll both be judged. Okay? You guys got it? Are y'all glad you came, maybe? And then the last event is eternity. And this is an authentic place that we're going to live forever. Eternity. You will live for eternity in the presence or absence of God, reaping the consequences of your beliefs and actions on earth. As those will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Eternal life. It's a real place. It's going to be a real life in a real place. And we'll be there for eternity. Bless you. I... Um, I'm excited about that. I mean, it gets me, I mean, honestly, and I think I said this before, I mean, if heaven is just this, like, continual, you know, heart fest on, you know, clouds, I mean, no, mm -mm. I mean, I like to worship, but I like to work. I like to work. I like to go and do and make things happen and share and talk and have conversations and, and learn more and experience more and, you know. Two weeks ago, I was in Colorado, and I just came around the corner, and I saw this gorgeous vista, and it was like all these mountains that I, I couldn't climb all of them at once, and many of them I couldn't even climb ever, you know, because I physically can't do that. But I mean, don't you think that we're going to be able to hike when we are in heaven, right? Won't that be part of heaven, won't it? I mean, I'm thinking. I mean, why would they not have, you know, and can we go to the beach and experience the beach? And I think God's so good if... Kristen loved the beach and I love the mountains. We could be sitting right next together and she'd be on the beach and I'd be at the mountains, right? I mean, we, I mean, that, and it's going to be a real place with real people that we're going to know and we're going to know each other and we're going to experience each other. And so I want to be able to do all that I can here on earth to make sure every moment of eternity is worth it because my little dot on this earth is nothing compared to the time that we're going to spend in eternity. So, with that in mind, and hopefully with that motivation behind it, let's look at what is God going to reward. This is not an exhausted list. This is on the back of your document. Did I give you all the front, the blanks on the front? Okay. This is not at all an exhausted list. This is just about like seven that I kind of came up with that he says he will reward us. Um, so number one is seeking him through prayer. Seeking him through prayer. I didn't put these in there. So we're going to, little Bible drill. Hebrews eleven six, which is my favorite. I've quoted it already. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him, or those who diligently seek him. The demons believe he exists, right? I mean, so got that? Check. You know, but let's diligently seek him through prayer, through prayer and fasting and Bible study and quiet time and devotion. I mean, just seek him hard. May we follow hard after God. Look for him in experiences. How do you seek God? I mean, of course, it's opening the word and studying the word. But when you're just anywhere, God, where are you in this moment? Hard times come. God, where are you in this? I need you to show up in this moment. And maybe sometimes we need to bring Christ to that moment. The Word of God is like a hammer. It's like a, and it hits a rock and it shatters it. Sometimes we need to bring Christ into that moment, seeking Him. Where are you at? Where are you at in my school? Where are you at in my work? 
Where are you at in my home? Where are you at in my kids? Where are you? I'm seeking you. Where are you? If God is not where you are regularly, then you need to start changing where you are regularly. I don't see God at my church. I don't see God in my family. I don't see God in my school. Okay, you, he's there. He's there. We need to go find him. Start experiencing him there. God, are you here? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here in the pain. I'm here in the joy. I'm here. He's with us. I saw him jostling at the end this morning. Praise him in the storm. I needed that. I needed that. He's there. Matthew 6, 6. I should make you guys do some of these. You got Matthew 6, 6? When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, I mean, when we start reading the scriptures looking for reward in the scripture, it's amazing. I mean, we've all heard about, you know, don't like pray in public, you know, go in your closet, pray in secret. Like, period, we don't read the rest of this verse. Why do we do that? It's very, it's not, I mean, he doesn't say it so that people want to... It's why. Because if you do it in secret, God's going to reward you openly. He's going to reward you if you're seeking him in prayer. And fasting and giving. We'll talk about that one. Getting ahead of myself. Okay, next verse. Submitting to your employer. We can just... We want to... We would love to skip after this. Someone get me... Turn to Colossians 3, 22 through 24. And I'm right here at Matthew 24. Matthew 24, this is, these, this, this parable um, that we're reading here, that the parable of talents and the parable of, um, what is it called? Where it's some got 10, some got five, some got one. It's all talking about the kingdom and about being rewarded. So Matthew 24, uh, 45 to 47. Who then is the faithful, wise servant whom his master set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Okay, so what that means for us is that God has given us stuff our job, and we need to be faithful employers, employees doing that work. So that when our master comes back, our boss, he needs to find us faithful doing what we're doing. <coughs> Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say that he'll be set him over all his possessions. So he'll get a greater reward. God's going to reward us. Colossians 3, 23 through 25. Does somebody have it? Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything. you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving okay I mean so he's saying slaves this isn't I mean this is anybody enslaved right now at work I mean you all get paid right I mean you can like leave your job for them unless you're a mother then that's you're enslaved You're stuck with that. You picked it. You chose it. You got them. Here it goes. So, uh, so he's telling the slaves, "Look, do your work diligently, even if the guy's a jerk. I mean, right? Even if there's a cruel master, do it right. Do it well. Why? What was the why on that? Because you know that this, what you're getting here, is not the inheritance." You're going to get rewarded for it because you're not really doing it unto me. I mean, you're not really doing it unto the, to, the, to the master. You're doing it to me, Jesus Christ, and I will reward you for that. I have Linda Rogers, some of you guys that have been around Hebrew long enough might have sat in some of her teachings, and Linda Rogers tells a story that she was married to a mean man, and he was a pilot, and his work interfered with his righteousness, as she says. So he had a girl in every city, and, and that just... I mean, that's, she picked him, and she got him, and she had to deal with him. So anyway, so um, he came home, and he wanted to have a little loving, and she goes into the bathroom to brush her teeth, and she literally gets on her knees before the Lord and says, I do not want to do this. I do not want to do this. But you say, if I do it, I'm, if I'm not doing it for him, I'm doing it as unto you. So for you, I'm going to serve him because that's my job as a wife. That's my job. And that's the verse. And whenever things come along with my boss that I would think, I don't want to do that. 
that's not fair, it's not right. And I'm like, well, at least I'm not having to take my clothes off and get in bed with him. I mean, right? I mean, so it kind of like keep, helps me keep it in perspective. I'm, I'll do it. I'll do that because you might call me. If I don't learn it now, you're going to call me to do something worse. So anyways, let's do it as unto the Lord. Self-denial in his servant. In his service. Self-denial is in serving him. Matthew, 20, Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him, number one, deny himself. Number two, take up his cross. Number three, follow me. For whoever would save his life will, will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What would it profit a man? You know? So I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to get a profit on this. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. Those are the three things we've got to do. So that for us, it's like, okay, Lord, how do I deny myself? I want a reward. And sometimes I just have to say to myself, I'm denying myself in this because I want a reward. Not because I want to, not because I like it, not because I want, I mean, not because it gives me great joy. I said it, I'm doing it because I want a reward. It is such a huge motivation, for, I mean, for me. I don't know about for you guys, but for me, I hope it is. I hope after this class it's a motivation. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my best do my very very best because my best is nothing it's all going to be exponentially greater than my best right and what i think is good here is going to be exponentially even greater there when we get to the lord so self self-denial in this service number four serving those in his name mark nine forty one. cup of cold water is what this one is uh, okay, that would be 1041. I'm like, that does not work. I'll back up 38. Jesus said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For if the one who is not against us is for us, verse 41, For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. So when we serve other people in the name of Christ, we're doing, we're going to get a reward for that. They're going to get a reward. We're going to get a reward. God's going to get glorified. It's super efficient. Mark 9, 41. Sandy, you look a little lost in that. Okay. Uh, number five. Suffering for his name and reputation. Luke 6, 22-23. You notice these are all, any of this in the Gospels, it's Jesus speaking. 22. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spur your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. You're being mocked. You're being mocked because you're a believer. You're being, I remember Jared came home this was about three Super Bowls back. It was when it was at the San Francisco Bay Area one. We played in the, and they had, um, at the halftime, they, like, did the, uh, the multicolor flag, you know, and, like, really gay pride was, like, the whole point of the Super Bowl halftime show. And, um, and Jarrett came home and said, I'm sick and tired of feeling bad because I'm not gay. Because there was so much pressure about being gay. And it's just, like please you know but he was suffering for his namesake and christ's righteousness sake to stand strong and stand true let's suffer for i mean they pick on you so what so what you know it's hard it's difficult you know i don't drink i don't i mean like you haven't had sex no 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 you know you don't drink no i don't drink Mm-mm. no well what do you do i'm like <laughs> Okay, number six. Sacrifices you make for him. Uh, Luke 6.35, because I'm right here, but then I definitely want to go to... Someone go to Matthew 19.29 for me. I'll read 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. So lend, expecting nothing in return. Give it away. Sacrifice you to make. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to get any return. You know? 
Lynn, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't expect to return. I want my reward in heaven. I don't want my reward here. I want a reward there. So Lynn, but go, I love this. Go to Matthew 19, 29. Who's got it for me? I do. Thank you. Um, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit, inherit eternal life. I mean, like, we're excited at the stock market, you know, if our investments make, like, 14%, right? I mean, we'd be like, woo, okay, life is great, 14% return on what I've invested. He's, this is a 10,000% return is what he's promising us. If we leave, or if we're basically persecuted, if we have to say no, no to my sons, no to my daughters, I'm going to walk with the way of Christ. I know this is what you, and my fields, you know, giving our money away. 10,000% return, I want that. And then lastly, sharing your treasures. Sharing, someone go to 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19, and I'll get Matthew 6, 3, 4. Matthew 6, 3 and 4 says this, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I mean, give. You can't take it with you. Give. And I want to... I want a big return. Give me First Timothy, um, whatever I said, 6, 18 and 19. Lynn, you got it? Yes, ma'am. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. When you generously give, give your time, Give your treasures, give your talent. Give it away. Give it away. Really, when is enough enough? How much is enough? You know, put in three wells for, you know, you can put in three wells or go to a vacation <coughs> to Florida. I mean, those are kind of, I mean, that's the reality. I have a, um, an acquaintance, I've met him before, Alan Barnhart. And Alan Barnhart became a believer uh, in college and his parents owned a construction company and it was, they, what they did, it was really a crane company, and they like moved really big things like nuclear power plant. What are those things that are shaped like that? Yeah. I mean, they moved those things. Reactor. Yeah, reactors. They like move those kind. That's a big thing. So huge crane company. And they, he said it was the international. <laughs> he said my my parents, um, you know, international crane business was in my bedroom after I moved out. So I mean, it was it was just nothing and. So uh, the, he and his brother got out of college. They both came to faith in college, and he was in college. He started reading the scriptures and just devouring them and really began to see that riches can really get you in trouble. I mean, it's, it's easier for a rich man to, to go through an eye of a needle than it is for the, in the kingdom. And he's like, oh, my goodness, maybe I don't want any money, and how does that work, and how do I protect myself against that, having that fear? And, and so um, after they got out of college, they went to work for the company. And then after a few years, the parents said, hey, look, we're selling the company. We're going to go on a sailboat, and we're going to go have our fun. Do you guys want the company, or do you want us to sell it to somebody else? And they said, well, we'll buy it. So he and his brother bought it. At that point, this was, I think, 20-plus years ago, probably 25 years ago now. He and his brothers set a limit of how much they would make. They set a limit that they would not make X more percentage than the very least what the least employee made um, because the, the chef should make more money than the waiters is kind of how they thought that. Um, and then they decided to give away 10% um, off the top um, every year. And then the company began to grow. And it increased 20% every year since then. Now, and then about 10 years ago, then they got, the comp they got people involved in it, and they started saying, we need to give more than 10% away. We need to figure out how do we do this. And um, so they started giving away. They started a committee to how do we give the money away, always kingdom-minded memories. And they, the when finally, after about 10, 11, 12 years, they gave a million dollars away one year when they sat down. And, and the sales guy said, how fun would it be if we gave a million dollars a month? <laughs> a year later, they, gave, they started giving away a million dollars a month. I mean, the Lord, but he had put these buffers in. It was like, I can't. So I say all that to say, this is the story. They have like 4,000 kids. They had like seven. I don't know. They had seven kids. And, <laughs> and live in Tennessee and, you know, live in just a moderate ranch house, you know, and probably four bedroom kind of thing. And 
and they have a long driveway and her, the son was turning 16 and they had all been involved in how they gave money away because of course if they're give, if the company's giving a million away how much are they giving away i mean they're giving away a ton and they've always been involved in it and and the and the son said well dad do you think maybe you know we could get a hummer could we get i mean you know they're used to like driving the woody panel can we get a hummer and alan took his son out to the front yard and they had a long driveway he said son we actually gave so much money away, I could line up Hummers all the way down this driveway this week. I could do that. Or you remember that village we visited in South Africa? We could feed them. What would you rather do? Another friend who knows him more went out to dinner with Alan, and Alan loves Diet Cokes. I mean, like he's got in the you know fridge full of Diet Cokes. That's all he has. They go out to eat. And Alan orders water. Nice, fancy restaurant orders water and the guy's like and, and the guy ordered like you know Pellegrino or whatever right you know and and he's like Alan you don't want a Diet Coke he said you know what three dollars would do I could feed I could feed a kid for two days on three dollars take the Pellegrino back I mean so I mean there's we I mean there's, so there's, we don't have to have a company that makes 20% more for us to know what we could really look and say hey I mean, $120 a month will transform people's lives, you know, and that's what we pay for our cell phones. I'm not saying give up your cell phones, but just let's put all this in perspective, what the money does, and we do for that. So, what is good, and I think that's my last point, and um, I filled in all your blanks, and so uh, next week we're going to dig in a little bit more about what their rewards are going to be and what the kingdom is going to look like, and um, we'll go from there. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. Are any questions? Y'all good? Thanks, Lord, for this opportunity to speak into these ladies. Thanks for their attentiveness, Lord. And, and I just pray, Lord, that you would let this soak into their hearts, Lord, and that it would bring around transformation in my life as well as in their lives, Father God, Lord, that we would take that list of what you reward. And, Lord, this week we would be intentional about picking one, picking two, and we're going to seek you more. We're going to be willing to suffer more for you. We're going to sacrifice more for you. We're going to deny ourselves, Lord, and walk in the way and the path that you'd have us to do, Father. Um, for your glory, for your honor, and Lord, for our reward. Um, because Lord, any good that happens in us is because we, you know, we know you empowered us to do it. So Lord, we love you. Thanks for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.